Howard Hendricks once wisely observed, when there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. How true. Astonishingly, there's a confusion in church leadership about the Great Commission. That's why we should not be surprised that the general Western church body is both largely ignorant and apathetic about the priority of fulfilling this command of Jesus. Matthew and Denny warn today that the church is losing the vision for the Great Commission. The statistics concerning this critical command from Jesus are startling and must be addressed now. That's why this episode of When Everything is Missions is critical for you to pay attention to our topic, the great confusion about the Great Commission. The gloves are off on this one, folks, as Matthew Ellison and Denny Spitters peel back the layers of the state of world missions at this time in history. Well, this is Matthew Ellison. I am back in this studio with my very good friend, Denny Spitters, and co-author of our book, When Everything is Missions. Welcome to the When Everything is Missions podcast. Now, Denny, uh, I've been involved in missions mobilization for about 25 years. I, I was 10 years as a missions pastor at a local church, and then I was uh, still doing this today, 15 years involved in missions coaching, mobilizing churches around the country. How long have you been involved in missions mobilization? Yeah, I've been doing this for about uh, 15 years as well, working with churches directly and working in local churches for, you know, an additional probably 15 years uh, besides that. So our combined experience in missions and missions mobilization is uh, pretty significant, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, we, got, long we got a few. 50 plus years. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we got together and wrote the book. That's right. We, we were kind of like, you know what? Uh, we're seeing some things here. Mm -hmm. And and I remember there was someone that uh, we had asked after we had written our first draft to give feedback. And the person said, um, you know, where's your research? Mm -hmm. How? Yeah. It's just anecdotal. It's based on your experience alone. You don't have any research. In other words... Basically, what the person was saying is, your book is primarily conjecture. That's right. And, you know, 50 years combined experience of mobilization, we've seen quite a few things. I mean, together, we've worked with hundreds of churches. Yep. And with rare exception, have I connected with the church where there was a shared biblical understanding of missions between church and missions leaders? There's some out there, but usually there was not. And usually there was this, again, philosophy, everyone is a missionary. And so we wrote out of that. And then of course we got some of the feedback. Hey, where's the data? Where's the research? Right. And lo and behold. Well, 2017, the yep. Barner report surfaces based upon a great confusion about the great commission. That's and right. we, we want to focus on the confusion part uh, that there's, there's a lot of people that take for granted that, Oh, People out there that are in churches, that are Christians, they get it. So um, the Barner Report is really something it's called translating the Great Commission, what spreading the gospel means to U.S. Christians in the 21st century. And it was produced in partnership with the Seed Company. And I highly recommend you buy this online at the Barner Group. Yeah. And uh, here's, here's what they said based upon their research. Half well, actually over half of churchgoers are unfamiliar with the Great Commission. So churchgoers, here was the question, have you heard of the Great Commission? Hmm. And the number was 51% said no. Wow. 51%. 6% said, hmm, not sure. And how many would you guess said yes? 
And it means this, 17%. And there was another group that said, yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning. Well, that's pretty significant because that really underscores the fact that we are losing the whole vision of the Great Commission in evangelicalism, even its preeminence mm-hmm. in terms of its role in the life of the church. Absolutely. So in, in many ways, uh, the timing of this couldn't have been better for our book. You know, our book is out and then now, indeed, there, there is, is statistical data that reveals there is great confusion. Yep. About it came out commission. in March of 2017. Right. In fact, here's another thing that they said. Okay, do churchgoers recognize the Great Commission among other verses? Mm. So here's what they said. They listed five verses. Go back to Caesar, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's was one. Two percent said that was the Great Commission. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Five percent said that. Eight percent said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me was the Great Commission. Sixteen percent said, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Only 37% could say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you is the Great Commission. Not sure if any of these passages are the Great Commission, a whopping 33%. Okay, so the data is there. The church is greatly confused about the Great Commission. And this is significant because the Great Commission is God's epic story of redemption. It's the Absolutely. central thread of Scripture. We look at Revelation 5, we see the great end to which all of history is moving. Jesus is there receiving the worship of the redeemed from every nation, tribe, and tongue. This is the story, Denny. So we've marginalized something that is so central to God. I want to know if you have any thoughts about what's behind the confusion. What is causing it? Well, I think it's something that, again, we bring up in the book, which is there is a significant growing tide of biblical illiteracy, Uh, a de-emphasis of the Bible being sufficient Mm -hmm. based on 2 Timothy 3.16. Also, an abandonment of many passages in the Bible that are very clear, but we have chosen to deconstruct and reformulate Mm -hmm. based upon what we think they should say. So, I would say, actually, a very faulty hermeneutic. That's right. And we know that faulty theology— Faulty missiology leads to faulty practice as believers, faulty missions practices. So this is really important. You know, Denny, something I want to surface is that I think the confusion is not just among rank and file, because we know from Scripture, uh, like people, like priests. So if the body is confused, if we have, you know, those statistics are unbelievable. So few Christians understand this mandate to make disciples of all nations— that means the confusion is actually coming from the pulpit. Yeah. So um, talk about that a little bit. How is this possible that we're graduating people from Bible college 
and seminary, <laughs> and they have they have such a shallow missiology. What's going on? Well, you know, you mentioned uh, the pulpit. Well, for lack of a better better term, I think it's Howard Hendricks that said this. He said, "A mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew." The whole idea that if what is being taught from the front yeah. is unclear, mm -hmm. uh, it's not concise, it's inaccurate, it's not repeated with regularity, yeah. that people end up being very, very fuzzy yeah. in a day and age where people are reading, think about this, less and less yes. and less. Yeah. So the commitment to understanding the Bible by reading it and consuming it ourselves, mm -hmm. and then the kind of real foggy kind of diet of kind of psychological soothing, yep. spiritual entertainment, the whole idea of the Bible is my manual to live life. Yeah, practic <laughs> the practical how-tos, seven steps to a better life, whatever it might be, right? Right, right. Just crazy things that it's all about kind of uh, giving people more self-help than transformative Holy Spirit-led speaking and teaching. Yeah, you know, the Bible is obviously full of practical instruction. We know that. Yes. But it is not a how-to manual on how to live. Folks, the Bible is God's revelation of himself. It is a self-revelation from God to us. I, I love the passage um, mm. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, um, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we bring transformed into the same glory, um, into his image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Um, as we behold him, we become like him. I, I kind of messed up the passage, but you get it. Yeah. Beholding as in a mirror the God, God's glory, that's how we're transformed. And I think when we read the Bible and when we teach the Bible, one of the things we should be saying is, where's God? Yeah, well, it's kind of like we read the Bible and we say, where's us? <laughs> yeah. Where's me? And the Bible wasn't written for me to be in the center of the story. It, it's written for the God of heaven to actually reveal who he is Absolutely. throughout history. That's right. And uh, that's very, very exciting. I think there's probably another reason, and I'd like you, Matthew, if you would, to kind of tell your story a little bit without using names. Uh, why, what's another reason that you have found that pastors and teachers and leaders yeah. in the church are confused? Yeah. Well, this is anecdotal, but again, it's not anecdotal when you look at the evidence of the statistics that you surfaced. But I was speaking with a well-known seminary, one of its executive leaders, and he told me that this seminary did not have a strong or robust missions program. There was really no strong missions thrust. And I asked him, I said, how is that possible? Uh, why do you think there are so many Bible colleges and seminaries that have de-emphasized, if you will, this central you know, component of history and Bible missions? And he said, enrollment. He said, missions isn't sexy, okay? Hope that doesn't offend anyone. Hmm. But here's the thing. He said, we want to, um, and he's speaking generally here, you know, these spiritual institutions, these church training institutions, we want to offer courses that bring the people in. You know, we want to make sure that we're addressing the demand. And so in a nutshell, he said, when 
you have missions. People don't sign up for the courses, so therefore those courses aren't even offered. Well, this is a real problem yeah. because missions, again, is the epic story of God's redemptive plan. This is what it's all about. It's the main story, the greatest movement in history. And just because people don't want missions, let's just de-emphasize it. You know, let's tickle their ears, give them, they want, give them what they want. And he said— the big demand is for domestic church planning. People who are going into seminary, I know numbers are down for that too, but people going into seminary, going yep. to Bible college, they want to get engaged in domestic ministry. And so that's a problem. And the other thing I surfaced with this gentleman was, okay, so you're only going to offer classes. But by, by the way, this wasn't his position. He was just telling the story. Right. Very right. matter of fact. If you're only going to offer classes that are going to, um, people are going to respond to, fine. Okay. Be pragmatic. But nevertheless, how can you graduate seminary yeah. or Bible college and not have a biblical missiology? This is not some little minor doctrine or issue. Right. It's the story. And so I said, listen, okay, you don't have a missions program. It should be impossible, Denny. <laughs> impossible oh, wow. to graduate Bible college or seminary without an understanding of missions. Uh, that that's so sad. I, I'm glad he was honest with you. Yes, and yes. I remember the day you called me and said, I got to tell you about the meeting I just had and what this gentleman said. Um, you know, it's, it's sad because this is at the heart of why the Bible was written. That's right. To tell the story of the greatest missionary in the history of time. That's right. God himself sending his son. And so people get all the information at times of facts, yep. but they never put together who the author is of the book mm -hmm. and how we got to where we are. It, it, it has that feeling that instead our institutions and our teaching institutions and our 70s seminaries are focusing inward and it's primarily now about growing Christianity or we should say actually Christendom yeah, that's right. in America. That's right. And that's so sad because that is killing the church in North America and it's prohibiting the gospel be, to go to the ends of the earth. Yeah. So on that note, Denny, um, some people might be hearing this and saying, come on, guys, what's the big deal? Is there really any harm in calling everyone a missionary? You guys are alarmists, you're idealists. And so, Denny, talk about the great imbalance, the great confusion about the Great Commission. It leads to a great imbalance. And uh, maybe you could speak to some of that. Sure. Um, you know, there's 78, we're going to just do a few statistics, yeah, okay? Sure, sure. Because you know how I feel about statistics. Yes. You throw them out there, it goes right over everybody's right. head. You got to use them, but the reality is people go, yeah, 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 yeah. And, it, and we need a motivation bigger than we can we get We need from, a far is, more than this the This is stats. God's glory, but this exactly. is just to reveal what's going on. Exactly. 78,000 Christians for every unreached people group in the world. 78,000. So this is not a resource issue. No, and it's not a re it's not a people issue. That's why God uh, Jesus said very very specifically in Luke ten, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers in his fields. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. He has the workers. Yeah, that's he right. already has them. That's right, seventy eight thousand of them for every unreached people group. Point three percent 
of global church income is given annually to missions. Actually, I want to correct that. The 0.3% that I'm aware of is of um, North American giving. In other words, 99.7% of the money churches spend is spent on themselves. Mm -hmm. Outside of the walls is 0.3%. Then nine out of 10 missionaries are sent already to reached peoples and our sending right now is very, very flat. Uh, you know what? There's something that's even more bothersome though. Those are just stats that talk about the church. Get a load of this. Americans spend more money annually on Halloween costumes. Oh my goodness. For their pets than the church gives annually to reach the unreached. Unbelievable. Think of that. That's amazing. It's staggering. So I often hear there's not enough money. Right. There's not enough people. Right. Folks, that is a false narrative. God has supplied his church with all of the resources and people necessary to send an army of Christ-exalting, Christ-spreading ambassadors to the ends of the earth. We're just not giving it. Yes. So, Denny— where do we go from here? There is great confusion. It's pervasive. It's why we wrote the book. The Barna Report really, I think, validated our efforts. You know, thank you, God, for that timing of that. We know the confusion is not just among rank and file. It's among pastors and church leaders. It's evidenced in the lack of strong missiological education in our spiritual institutions. So where do we go from here? How do we clear the fog, as it were? Yeah, I, I think in, at the end of our book, we give some very clear uh, ways that that can happen and that we recommend that people actually take the time to think deeply. And yeah. uh, I, I think that has to be, it's an appendix actually in the book. That's actually the name of the appendix, Thinking Deeply. Thinking Deeply. Yeah. And and the whole idea is there are some reflection uh, reflection questions to help all of us wrestle with this. And I would say, where do we go from here? I think it starts, uh, no doubt, with humbling our hearts. You know, First Peter 5 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time. This whole idea of being humble before God. But here are the questions of reflection questions. Do our definitions matter? Mm. What is our mission do you believe that God gave a clear mission to his church? What is the mission God gave his church? So wrestling through with yeah. what is our mission? Yeah. Then what, the third one, why are we involved in missions? Yeah. Why? What, what, what's why the motivation? Even, yeah. What's the motivation? Why, why should we even be doing this? Is every Christian a missionary? That's an important question. It's a very important question in today's world because it helps define clearly how the unreached and unengaged with little to many times no access mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the gospel, mm -hmm. to the scriptures, or to any living, breathing Christian, yeah. how they are going to have the opportunity. That's huge. Huge. And then how are missionaries sent? Is every Christian a missionary, yeah, right? Right, right. 
But and then, the, so what? What is at stake? What's the, what are the implications? What, what, are, what are the implications? What and are, I'm missing a big one here. What's that? Well, what's at stake are the peoples yes. who do not know there is a God who has sent his son right. to give them what's at stake is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the evangelon, the good news. But what's really at stake is verse 17. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn yeah. the world, yeah. but so that the world through him might be saved. That's foundational to the core of missions to unreached and unengaged peoples. Absolutely. You know, we talk about needing a bigger motivation than we get from statistics. And and that really is where I think, you know, the what next question, that's how it's answered. It's going to the word. It's asking these important questions. Don't allow your mission's definition to be driven by cultural trends, prejudices, preferences, the flavor of the month, whatever you want to call it. Allow God to speak to you about what missions is and it really, again, going back to this idea of God's glory, his worthiness to be known. Um, there are peoples who know nothing of our great Savior. Yes. And and I would say one of the places you may want to start, you know, to, to clear the fog of confusion, as we said, this is a, a self-revelation of God. It's his revelation of his glory to us. Go to the word. I'm thinking of Isaiah 6 chapter here. Love this passage. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and exalted. We know that Isaiah has this crisis of encounter, and he sees the pre-incarnate Jesus, and he's reduced to his proper size. Um, he repents of his sin, and then God calls him into mission. Who will go for us? What does he say? How does Isaiah respond? Here am I. Send, Send me. me. There was no twisting of arm. He knew Christ was glorious and worthy to be known. And so, again, we we— Say, go back to the word, allow the word to shape you, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and don't allow your mission's definitions to be shaped, again, by trends or half-truths or assumptions. Allow God to shape them. Yeah, uh, it's so important. That's the what next. That's the last question in, out of the seven. What next? Where do we go from here? I think we would drive every person that's serious about this to go back to the Bible to regain and rediscover mm -hmm. a trust that God's word is sufficient, not just to be a guidepost for living in your life, but for purpose and eternal mm -hmm. vision and understanding at what is at stake and how we've been designed to function under his leadership and under and within his kingdom. Yeah. I, I would, one more piece here, and then we'll probably wrap this one up. It's been a great conversation. But the Great Commission, folks, if you're on this um, podcast, you're, you're a church or missions leader, it is not open to the interpretation of ind individual churches. When, when God gave the Great Commission, he was revealing objective meaning and purpose and I've worked with churches the last 15 years in mobilization. Denny, I know you've done about the same, helping churches around the country um, understand missions and actually send their people to the least reach and the unreach. And I have some incredible stories, no time to share them today, 
But churches that did what we just said, they pushed the pause button and they said, let's clarify as a church what missions is to us. Let's come together and pray. Mm. And the results have been unbelievable. Church after church who they aligned themselves with God's purposes. They said, we're not going to interpret it ourselves. We're going to align ourselves with your purposes. And I would say the results have been beautiful. Mm. You need to go through that type of a process. Yeah, let me let me share something here. Um, we always like to end up on the positive. Absolutely. Always, absolutely. absolutely. And we will, but I have to bring something that uh, came to me just last week. A very good friend who's been in mobilization and training in churches and loves the church um, in North America and, and even around the world. And this is what he noted and he said to me, quote, there is no other church in the history of the world that has been so blessed than the church in North America, yet has stewarded its resources so selfishly. Mm. And uh, that just cut me yeah. because we're so out of touch with how blessed we are. And those resources go far beyond the money in my pocket or the home I live in or the car I drive. Mm -hmm. It's my time. It's my vision. It's my praying. And um, I, I pray that if you're, if that strikes you, that you will kind of come back to the table, so to speak, and ask God to purify his church. I think we're starting to see some signs of that, mm -hmm. but we have a lot of repentance to do before God's going to use the North American church. And we deeply need to repent so that we can see, and here's the positive part, yeah. the glory of the Lord throughout the nations of the earth, the places where he is unworshipped, unadored, because he's unknown yeah. and he's not yet glorified. All of the people's tribes and tongues will be at the throne. That let's be a part of what God wants to do around the world and especially in our lives to the nations. Let's step up to the plate. Yeah, amen. Brother, always great talking to you. Thanks yep. for the conversation. It's great. Thank you. God bless. So the question hangs heavy. What part is telling his story globally part of your story? Well, the data is clear. Huge confusion exists about the Great Commission. What to do, what to do. Well, we can't be like Henny Penny because the sky is not falling. The ignorance of the church does not negate the sovereignty of the Lord. Jesus promised to build this church sometimes in spite of his body on earth. You and I are here for such a time as this. Let's turn the ship around. Here are some action steps. First, become super, totally and biblically familiar with the Great Commission. Then, ask yourself, what does it say? What does it mean and how does it apply to your life? We suggest you read Matthew and Denny's book, When Everything is Missions, and access a library of missions information and encouragement in audio and video form at whenevertheringismissions.com. That is the web location for tons of fresh observations and critical thinking about church missions. And again, whenevertheringismissions.com. Join us next time for another important episode with Matthew Ellison and Denny Spitters.